Hi everyone, I'm Lynette Zhang, Chief Market Analyst here at ITM Trading, a full service physical gold and silver dealer. And you guys know, if you don't hold it, you don't own it because everything else is just a contract and all contracts run counterparty risk. So today we're gonna do Q&A and uh, this is Andrew from Twitter. Some great questions today, I did look through them. Sorry, but I did. Uh, if the gut, cause, cause Edgar made me, <laughs> I'm throwing you under the bus cause it's true. Okay. So Andrew from Twitter asks, if the government confiscates gold, won't this include all the gold that central banks and other financial entities own? Well, what would they do? Take them from themselves and give them to themselves? So while, um, you know, it, it, it is yet to be seen if in the U.S. anyway, overt gold confiscation would indeed happen. But if and when it does, I personally think that it will. But we'll find out. Uh, if, however, it does, they don't need to confiscate the gold for themselves because it's already in their possession. And this next question actually speaks to that as well. It's Marlis from one of our consultants, Martin. And she asks, on March... Oh, she's got two questions. Okay. On March 21st, in a Kitco interview, E.B. Tucker said that the government did not need to confiscate gold. It could just enact a 90% excise tax and negate any profit from selling gold, essentially making gold worthless to the individual as a store of value or wealth insurance. How likely is this to happen? Okie doke. Well, let, let's kind of look at that for a second because governments can do anything they want. Really, we know that. But we have also been experiencing a rise in states legalizing gold and silver as legal tender, meaning that they will not charge, you do not charge taxes when you buy or sell money because that would be like a transaction. Additionally, there are so many different ways to hold gold, right? I mean, this is gold and that's gold and there's some gold in here. So does that mean that when I go to the jewelry store to buy a piece of jewelry or to sell a piece of jewelry, that the tax on that is going to go to 90%? What kind of impact do you think that would have on that whole jewelry industry? Additionally, in computers, because you see all gold is recoverable. So they use a lot of gold in electronics and other things. I mean, it's used across the entire global economy. So does that mean that when they recycle that gold, that that's a 90%? So personally, well, yeah, they, they can do it. Governments can do anything they want as long as the population agrees to it. It isn't just the coin industry that becomes impacted by it because gold is used across every single area of the global economy. Uh, I just, I personally do not think that that's a possibility. It, frankly, if they want the gold coins, it's going to be much easier for them to go into, let's say an IRA where they're sitting and take the physical gold and leaves the fiat money. So I personally do not think that that's very likely to happen. And number two, Marlis asks, 
Why does the debt have to be repaid? Why can't it just be zeroed out globally in a massive do-over? Well, that's really what hyperinflation is. It zeroes it out. That's what a reset is. It is a complete revaluation. Great example in Venezuela is 99% of the value of the currency and therefore of the debt gets wiped away. So, um, yeah, the debt, it, these are, it doesn't have to be repaid. It can be defaulted on right? The, the current plan was just to continue, and that's what they've done. I mean, you can look at all the debt charts and you can see that. The current plan was just to roll that debt over, taking on more and more and more debt as you went along. However, the reality is, is the goal was to repay that debt through inflation, which robs you of the purchasing power value of the currency, to repay that debt with currencies that have less and less value. And then because you would, at least in theory, you know, you get a raise in your wages, but it never keeps pace with inflation. However, that's why we used to be able to have one person making 9,500 a year supporting a family of four. And now it takes two people earning $48,000 a year and your paycheck to paycheck and at 150,000, they still gave you a stimulus check. It's because of the value of the currency. So uh, the debt doesn't have to be repaid. It can be defaulted on. It is just that when you are an advanced economy like the US is or Europe is, you know, we're considered advanced economies to, abs to do an outright debt default is probably not great. A better tool, the tool that they have always used, has been to hyperinflate that debt away. And Jack W. asks, there's a lot of predictions for some deflation before the inflation kicks in. Do you recommend waiting to purchase additional precious metals until the crash hits? No, because you won't have those options. And keep in mind that because the price of the metals have been so far suppressed, they're a deep bargain do you really wait to take advantage of those bargains? No, you get it while the getting is good. And as a reminder, look at what happened March, April, look at what's happening today where there are limitations on, on your choices on what you can get your hands on. Not saying you can't get precious metals, either gold or silver, but what you could get is limited. And keep in mind that SLV had to modify recently modify their prospectus to let you know that SLV does not have to track the spot market of gold or silver because they're having trouble putting those baskets together. So uh, no, do not wait until you lose all of your choices. Get it done, get it done now, as well as food, water, energy, security, community, and shelter. You got to have that, that barterability, which is what silver's about for me, and also that wealth preservation, which is 100% what gold is for me. And uh, Velazar asks, hold on, let me take a sip. <clears throat> Velazar asks, is this still from Martin? No, okay. 
Do you think all of this currency debasement has been done intentionally? A hundred bazillion percent. You read the, you, if you read everything in the beginning back in 19, 19, early 1900s, you'll see, yes, <laughs> yes. Inflation was designed into the currency and therefore, yes, a hundred percent intentional. And I don't mean, oops, I should have read more. I, I didn't read the full question. And I don't mean that the intention was to pay for wars, bigger state programs, etc. I mean that from the very moment the Fed was established, the people in charge had the goal of debasement of the U.S. dollar in mind and were consistently toward achieving it. Totally. Um, and Edgar, I don't know if you can do this, but we'll, we'll splice it in the purchasing power chart from the Federal Reserve. So as a direct, mis, a direct consequence of such line of thought, we would not be seeing measures aiming at aiding the dollar, but such aiming its further debasement and weakening. Ta-da! Hence all the central banks saying, we need more inflation. In, in, in the 70s, inflation was a bad word. Today, it's the savior. Is it really? So, um, yeah, no, I, it, it's, this is not my opinion. This is what they wrote into the doctrines that people do not understand inflation. Not one man in a million. And they also knew that people marry the legal money of the state. So it's hard to envision that the dollar could ever go away when in fact, by design, because for governments, inflation allows an invisible tax on your wealth that you don't even, you don't even know about and they don't have to go through legislation. For corporations, since average income never keeps pace with inflation, that has what enabled and promoted, frankly, the income and wealth inequality. Yes, 100% Velazar, this was by design from the very, very, very beginning. And they create a set of tools to control the narrative. It, you know, the interesting thing, when you do a study on central banks, prior to the Federal Reserve in 1913, all central banks had an average charter. In other words, how long they were in existence until they would have to be renewed. And that was typically 15 to 20 years. And that was because governments knew that the currency would de be debased, right? Now, uh, did the government promote it by going into war? Absolutely. But they knew that the currency would be debased. So historically, you'd go from a gold standard, then they transition you to a fiat standard, have a war, hyperinflate the currency. I mean, you know, in this country, when you look at what happened in the Revolutionary War, you know, and the, and the, uh, and the South's money, right? It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't buy anything when the North won, right? However, it funded the war as long as it could. So you have to keep in mind the experiment that we're dealing with and the end of the experiment that we're dealing with is the first time historically when any central bank or government has made an attempt to manage the speed and rate of that inflation. And whenever the tools that they had went away, they just created, you know, other tools. So, the kickoff, 1913 to 1933, they had to take the gold away from the population in order to then do a serious revaluation, which of course they did.
Then we went on to the Bretton Woods standard where the dollar was pegged to a certain amount of gold and then all the world's currencies were pegged to the US dollar. But when we abused them during the Vietnam War, there was a run on the dollar. I've done a lot of videos on this. There was a run on the dollar. Some of you, if you're my age, you might recall uh, President French President de Gaulle complaining about that. And we have audio clips. So if you want that, let your consultants know or let Edgar know. We'll give you those clips so you can actually hear a little bit of history. But we had to go off the gold standard because by because of that run on the dollar, sending in dollars, demanding gold, so that we had less gold in deep storage than we did prior to the confiscation in 33. And so then we went on a debt standard. And we were told when they made this transition, as long as you buy US products, this isn't going to impact you because we create dollars, you'll get paid in dollars and you'll use dollars. Well, that was an outright lie because what kicked into gear then? Globalization. I remember the talk of that when I first became a stockbroker in the 80s and all the discussion was around globalization and also getting assets in-house and keeping them in-house. Uh, but I want to say on this point, and I remember thinking that's not a very good thing. So now you've got currency wars, et cetera. Well, the tools that they gave them when we transitioned from a gold standard prior to 71 to afterwards, where that interest rates were ratcheted all the way up, uh, short-term Fed funds rates, intraday, because you won't see this on the chart because this was intraday, in other words, not at the close. It got up as high as 21.5%. They needed enough ramp room in interest rates to manage the inflation. And the problem is, is that we're at the end because every time we would hit a crisis on average, they would drop interest rates five and a half to five and three quarters percent to inspire more borrowing and spending. But with the world anchored at zero, where's that 5% going? That's why they need to go deeply negative. That's why they need to get us 100% digital with our money system. And they say it, it's not me, it's not my opinion, it's what they say, because then they can take us deeply negative and have immediate and direct impact. Because right now, the way the system is set up, it takes about 18 months for the Federal Reserve to implement policy and for it to run through the whole system to know if they actually got what they were looking to get. Once we are completely digital, then they push a button. You're not spending money fast enough. Boom. That interest rate goes deep, more deeply negative until it becomes so obvious to you that the interest is eroding your principal, not your spending, that you go out and you spend it. So, you know, when people talk about deflation, inflation, it's really the same thing. Price is going down, only one way to fight. And that's, and that's what they had needed, that ramp room, to get those interest rates up high enough so that they had enough space to drop them and lower them and manage them all the way down till we are now at zero. This is one of the big reasons, really. This is one of the big, 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 big reasons why I'm telling you this is the end of this game and they need to create, which they're doing, a new system to shift us into. Do I know we're going digital? 100% I know we're going digital. 
but I also know that that's not to your benefit. Can you stop it? No, you can't stop it. How convenient this, what we've been going through over this past year has been to get everybody more used to the digital economy. That is why it is so critically important for you to have that physical gold and physical silver outside of the system in your possession. And for those of you, I mean, clearly Bitcoin's here to stay. Big corporations are adopting it all over the place. They are making it mainstream. So if it's mainstream, is that really the new gold? No. You cannot take an intangible and turn it into a tangible. So Bitcoin, even though they picture it as gold, they always have. They want you to think of it like that. It's not. So you want to have some, have some. Clearly it's being adopted, have some, but you better have your physical gold and silver that is actually outside of the system. Me personally, uh, that's what I'm going to buy is when the system implodes, I see that cup formation, that accumulation pattern, that's when I will take some and move it in the other direction when I know who's gonna survive. That's true with cryptocurrencies, that's true with stocks, bonds, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens because the talk of the central bank digital currencies is also about, you know, about using your data and your information to fund them rather than charging you a fee that you would see. I mean, you have to do what you're comfortable with. I like all that history. Are there any more questions? Cause I kind of went off on tangent. Okay. Sorry about that, you guys. But uh, I hope you, I hope more and more of you are listening to our podcast because we've been working on it. I've been working on it personally for like three or four years, but thanks to Edgar and Ryan and everybody else, it is now in place and we're hearing that people are really liking it. And we're, we also have some other things in the works, but just follow our social links for real-time information updates. And I know that um, again, Edgar has been doing a fantastic job on behind the scenes. I know he has. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do, do so. Click that bell next to it. We'll let you know when we're going live and make sure you leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up and share, share, share with however many people, even if you think oh, I only have a couple people. So what? Because you never know what's going to catch somebody's attention and help them protect themselves. And right now it is time to be protected. It is time to cover your assets. And physical gold and silver are key in the wealth shield strategy, which is the strategy that I originally created from my studies based on currencies. This is a currency life cycle issue. Please food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. Get it done, get it done, get it done. Until next we speak, please be safe out there. Bye.